1450 KMMS, good morning. It's uh, 23 away from 9 o'clock on this uh, Monday morning. And I uh, want to welcome in Carl Graham, Montana Policy Institute. How are you, pal? Good. Good. Snowy. You know, there was a little bit in Belgrade. I got to Bozeman. There was nothing here. I don't haven't been outside. Is it? Got about six inches up at our place, really? Probably. But it's cold. Well, it's a good too. place for it. It's in the teens. That's what. <laughs> yeah. You can have it all, buddy. Yeah, and we get it all. I think. <laughs> so what's going on today? Oh, I thought I'd. Uh, the legislature is winding down. This is its last week. Oh, uh, yeah. They're talking about maybe uh, stopping early and leaving a few days of the ninety days on the calendar. Uh, they talk about that every year, and they yeah. very, very rarely do it. Um, but the idea is that if they, uh, if they, whatever they pass goes to the governor's desk, and the governor has so many days to to do something or not do something with it. Well, if they leave a few days left on the calendar, then if okay. the governor does something they don't like, they can come back. They don't have to call a special session. They have that many days left in the session, in the ninety okay. day session, to where they can just come back. Um, frankly, I don't see it happening. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh what them coming back over anything? them coming back really? over anything because uh they don't uh we have a majority in both uh chambers that is unable to exercise the prerogatives of a majority. And so the Republicans have the majority in both the House and the Senate, but there are a handful of senators and a handful of house members who consistently vote with the Democrats on key issues. And so You're right, and I brought that up with Scott last Thursday. Yeah. It just so what we have is, is that really the Democrats are are exercising the majority prerogative on some very key issues mm-hmm. and uh, with just a handful of Republicans. Yep. And I don't get into personality politics, but you can go look at a few key votes on, say, Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. uh, on education funding. Uh, on pension reform, and some of these some of these items that are that are fairly arcane, they're difficult to understand. They're emotional, right? Uh, very emotional, and it's very e- and and I think we've just got we've got about a dozen Republicans up there who uh, who either have no principles uh other than uh other than they're uh, they're going to take the easy route uh they don't care about the math they don't care about the impact on taxpayers they care yeah. about what people are going to think about them i shouldn't say they have no principles of course they have some principles but their principles are certainly not fiscal responsibility right uh and i think they're driven more by how they're going to feel in front of their friends in the cocktail parties and how the hometown newspaper is going to treat them than what the majority of people who elected them to put them up there asked them to do now there are some who come from districts that are very that are relatively liberal districts. Okay, uh, there's a couple districts in Great Falls in uh, around Billings uh, where those representatives and senators have to make some hard choices based right. on representing their constituents because yeah. they have liberal constituents. Okay, uh, you know we 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 do our best with them, but you're going to lose them on some issues. Right. But we've got some some uh, senators and Republican uh, legisl- uh, House members in very conservative districts who are not. Voting conservative, fiscally conservative at all, and I'm kind of developing a theory here uh, that I call I'm, I'm calling them social Republicans, not because they're Republican, they're conservative on social issues, although most of them are mm-hmm. uh, things like abortion, immigration reform, things like that. They're uh, uh, gay, uh, gay marriage, you know mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Right. They're con- they're they're conservative on those issues. What people call conservative on those issues, um, but really. They're so they're social animals. They're social Republicans because they like they like the social aspect. They like the parties. They like getting together. Right. They like people saying, "Oh, you're doing a great job," um, and and so they're afraid to buck the wind. 
and and hold down to some true fiscally responsible freedom based constitutionally based founding principle based principles and because it's hard for them to explain those things or they i think a lot of them just frankly don't understand them or they try to apply case by case and what they're going for is an outcome they want to have an outcome that they can say feels good to people but maybe fiscally irresponsible or doesn't serve the taxpayers well mm-hmm. and and there you get into the concentrated benefits and the dispersed cost problems where most of these issues, whether it's pension reform, whether it's Medicaid expansion, uh, whether it's, uh, in some cases, education funding, some of the bonding bills, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that, the benefits are very concentrated with just a relatively few people, and those people show up. Those people get up there and yell in the gallery. They show up at all the hearings. They pin, they pigeonhole uh, legislators on the streets and in the cafes and mm-hmm. things like that because they have a lot to gain or a lot to lose. They're concentrated. But the costs are dispersed across a million Montanans. And a million Montanans, since the costs are relatively small, when you divide it by a million, uh, they're not going to take the trouble to pigeonhole these these guys and gals. And uh, and so they don't get that kind of pressure. So again, taking the path of least resistance, and it's really frustrating. Um, We we, And that's why I call them social social Republicans, uh, not because of social issues, but because they're more interested in being social. They're more interested in being liked than in being being correct or right, uh, if you pardon the pun. And uh, it's terribly frustrating to watch because they're kicking the can down the road on some very key issues. Uh, One of them is pension reform that was just on the news there with John uh, Northern Broadcasting Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple and several other issues, too. They're just kicking the can down the road. They're not doing anything responsible. And somebody else is going to have to pick up the pieces in 2015 and 2017 if it's not done in 2015. And it's just so these folks can say that people like them. Yeah. Frankly, is what it comes down to, and uh, and I feel like a lot of them don't have the the uh, the philosophical underpinnings to feel confident making arguments to do what I think in their heart they know is the right thing, uh, but they don't feel comfortable arguing it, or they're just they're just uh, they're just conflict avoiders and they don't want to argue it, or or they like being praised by people, so they take again that path of least resistance. The one that we won, it appears, uh, barring some real surprise is Medicaid reform. Uh, this the uh, the House that had surprised me. Yeah, the, the House had pretty much killed it. Um, the Senate again with half a dozen uh, people uh, decided uh, Republicans uh, decided that they wanted to advance Medicaid reform. The governor's plan for Medicaid reform, President Obama's plan for Medicaid not reform, I'm sorry, expansion. There's no reform in it at all. It's all expansion. Just taking a really bad program and applying it to more people uh, at taxpayer expense, adding $6 billion uh, to the federal spending Mm -hmm. uh, and a net $50 million or more to Montana spending. Uh, That's after you take all the jobs and everything into account but uh, what they're able to do in the house um, they're able to uh, take the senate bill and send it to a committee where it is likely going to die now they'll try to blast it out to the floor but they need 60 votes for that i don't think they're going to get 60 but again they the 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 initial vote on whether or not to let it die was 50 50 that means nine Republicans voted. Uh, now, if not for the mistaken vote of one of the Democrats, it would have gone. It, we, we would have Medicaid expansion in this House, but one guy hit the wrong button, which I just can't fathom. One's green, one's red. How do you hit the wrong button? But I talked to some and folks. Then they ask you again: Are you, anybody want to change? Yeah, your vote? well, he, he, yeah, and uh, but you know, I talked to some of the 
some of the legislators up there, and they said it actually happens all the time. Really? People just hit the wrong button by accident, or they don't understand what a yes or a no means right. or something like that. And I just, I, I can't fathom that, but I well, guess it's well. fairly common. But then by the time they took... Scary. Then they voted to reconsider. <laughs> right. And by the time they voted to reconsider, um, they got four uh, Republicans, four of the people who had initially voted to expand Medicaid, uh, came around and said, well, you know, maybe this isn't such a good idea, and, and these guys are really using and procedural oh. tactics to uh, it, coming out of the Senate, especially they're using procedural tactics to try to pass something that the majority of, of the legislators don't really want, mm. and uh, and so they uh, they switched their votes over and they they in essence I think they killed it. Thank goodness. Um, and yeah, the, this and even if it had passed the House, there would have been a lawsuit almost immediately, and I think MPI would have probably been a part of that lawsuit mm. uh, because it. What I think, I think what they did in the Senate was unconstitutional. Uh, they they took a bill that uh, the the a bill has to the the contents of a bill have to be reflected in the title of the bill, and the title of the bill and the bill description. Uh, clearly said this is not a bill to expand Medicaid, and then they just gutted it and put in a bill to expand Medicaid, and then they sent it to the uh, and and then they ignored their own rules, uh, and because they had a majority who wanted to expand Medicaid, mm-hmm. they ignored the rule that said they couldn't do that, and uh, and I think both of those actions are unconstitutional, and there would have been a lawsuit. So it's still, mm-hmm. the, but this stupid thing would have been dragging on forever and ever. Right. I think in the end they would have lost it anyway, uh, but in the meantime a lot of damage would have been done. Sure. So, so it's 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 frustrating to see people vote against the the principles and the desires of their constituents. But it's also frustrating to see them vote against what I think most of them. And I know I, even the flip floppers. Uh, I know most of them personally, and I talk to them, mm-hmm. and they are they are conservative. But they're social conservatives or social Republicans. Uh, they're social conservatives in the sense of issues like abortion or, mm-hmm. or gay rights or, or whatever. Um, so they're they're solid on on those as far as reflecting the platform of the Republican Party. And don't again, I'm I'm never one. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. Um, but I and I never confuse Republicans with conservatives. But most of them are socially conservative, and that's what they hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. But they are not fiscally conservative. They're big government Republicans, and uh, and this terms social republican that i'm trying to coin here and see if it catches on uh, is basically they want to be liked they want to they want to be social they want people to like them mm-hmm. and so they vote in ways that they think will cause the least resistance and people to like them and so i thought it was time to review our little pamphlet uh called the uh, guiding uh, 10 principles to guide public policy okay and maybe we can instill a little bit of backbone in some of these folks as the days go on and maybe some folks some of our uh, some, call anybody out some true no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name <laughs> Any names? All right. We don't. We don't. We don't do personality <laughs> politics. I'm just. But if you want to, yeah. If you want to figure out who they are, look at the Medicaid I votes. Think you can find out. Yeah, yeah, it's not difficult to figure out. And there are groups out there who do that. Yeah. Um, who who absolutely do that. So. Ten principles. I'm going to go really fast over okay. a couple of them, and I'm going to kind of drop anchor and, and get a little deeper into a couple other ones. Okay. The first, uh, the first principle, and the most important one, is the legitimate power of government begins and ends with the people. Government works for us; we don't work for the government. People forget that too often, uh, and so we are the people are the source. And the Constitution is very clear that other than delineated powers, the remaining powers remain with the states and with the people. And so we should be able to make those decisions. 
The second one we have is government exists to protect rights, not to create them. I get so tired of people saying you have a right to this and you have a right to that. Um, you have your, your rights are what God or nature, whatever your belief system is, has given you. Uh, and actually those two things merge if you go back into the philosophy of freedom and liberty, uh, the, whether it's God given or, or nature given, uh, depending again on your, on your philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, those two things merge very clear, very clearly, uh, back there. So there's really not much difference between the two. Um, but if government government cannot create rights, so for example, in our state constitution, we have uh, it grants us. Well, that's another thing. If government grants you a right, it can also take it away. So it's not really a right. Uh, but let's look at uh, some people say there's a right to health care. There's a right to seek health care. There's a right to pay for health care if you have it. There's a, there's all kinds of rights involved in making your choices about health care. But the government cannot grant give to somebody unless it takes away from somebody else. And so if you have a right to health care, that means that you have a right to a doctor's services. Well, if you don't have to, if you don't pay for those services, that doctor becomes your slave. Right. That doctor has an obligation to provide his services to you if you have a right to that. Well, what about his right to be able to uh, to live his life without having to provide his labor to somebody else for nothing? So, for nothing. So you do not have a right to health care. We all want health care. We should make health care available, um, but but we don't have a right to health care because that implies that somebody else becomes your slave. And so, and again, government can't create rights because you can't take away a right you have a right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness those are rights that are not granted by any government they're only protected by the government and nobody can grant you those or take those away legally Um, free people are not equal and equal people are not free is our our third principle Uh, free people let, let me say that again free people are not equal and equal people are not free free you and i are free people. We have different talents, ambitions, aspirations, luck. Uh, there are different things that drive you and me. And so if we are free, we can act on those ambitions. And we're not going to be equal. We're not going to have the same outcomes in our lives because our talents, our ambitions, our drives, our luck, all those things are going to result in different outcomes for us. Mm-hmm. I'm never going never gonna to be a center in the NBA because I'm 6'2". Okay, that's but but somebody who's six eight is free to pursue being a or seven foot I guess these days is yeah. free to pursue being a center in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want equal outcomes, if you say equal people is more important, then they're not free because we won't let that seven foot guy be a center. We're going to make me a center because we're equal, right? But we're not free, and so we're going to have different outcomes in our lives. Okay. The fourth one is long-term and cumulative cumulative consequences should be considered more carefully than short-term benefits. Medicaid expansion is a perfect example of that. They say 70,000 people get uh, get free health care. Well, not health care, health insurance. There's a big difference uh, between access to care and just having a piece of paper that says you're insured. Um, but the long-term effect of that is to overcrowd our medical system, to create a new dependency class, to create an unsus- unsustainable entitlement. Uh, and those are long-term cum- cumulative outcomes that will actually do more harm in the long term than any short-term gain that's, that's made there. Number five is government has nothing to give anybody except what it first takes from somebody else. Government doesn't create anything. It takes it takes resources from one pool and it, it just reallocates them. It take well it takes water from one end of the pool and pours it into the other end of the pool and it spills a whole lot of water on the deck on the way. So there's a lot of waste, fraud and abuse, mostly waste between filling up that bucket at one end and pouring it into the other end. Mm-hmm. 
and unlike the private economy, which does create things, your labor creates things, brand new things that makes everybody better off. We dig things out of the ground that we then process and make everybody's lives better because of those things, whether it's oil, fuel, fossil fuels, um, even, even it doesn't even have to come out of the ground. If you create a solar panel or a windmill, you create something that makes your life and therefore society's outcomes better. Government doesn't do that. It just reallocates resources uh, and anything it takes, anything it, uh, it has or gives to somebody, it has to first take from somebody else in the form of debt, taking it from our children mm-hmm. in the form of taxes um, or in the form of labor. Uh, number six, a government that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take everything you've got. Uh, if you think that the government should be able to, we saw uh, some examples of that with the Boston bombing, uh, where the government started infringing, I think, on some civil liberties. Now, where's that line between uh, having uh, pounding on doors and, and entering houses as opposed to knocking on doors and asking uh, to come into your house? Uh, those are civil liberties uh, issues that, that we'll let other scholars decide. Um, but if it's big enough to do to give you things, it's also big enough to take things away from you. Because, and it has to take away from somebody if it's going to give to you because of number five, which is it has nothing to give anybody except what it first takes from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Number seven, nobody spends somebody else's money as carefully as he spends his own. And uh, so... If you're a government bureaucrat, and I don't say that in a derisive way, we need government bureaucrats to do what legitimate functions of government. But if you're a government bureaucrat and you have a million dollar pot of money to spend on whatever program it is, are you going to spend that money as carefully uh, if you, as if it was your own money? I don't think so. You're, you're going to make decisions differently with somebody else's money than you're going to make with your own money. So there's always going to be waste in government. Now, we accept that in many cases, again, for legitimate functions of government. Take the defense budget. Enormous waste in the defense budget. I know firsthand there's enormous waste in the defense budget. We accept a large organization like that is going to be run somewhat inefficiently because we accept that it's a legitimate government, government end or a leg- legitimate government function. But if we have government doing things that it does not need to do that could be done in the private sector where people have their own skin in the game, their own investments, mm-hmm. their own interests to look after, then we are unnecessarily accepting massive inefficiencies and waste and even fraud and abuses. Uh, let's see. Number eight. Uh, one cannot claim as a right that which someone else much must provide. That kind of goes back um, to the uh, government exists to protect rights, not to create them, but we already talked about about that. You can't claim as a right something that I have to provide. You can't say you have a right, again, let's use health care. You can't say you have a right to health care if, if I'm the doctor and provide you that health care. I become your slave. You've taken away my rights to, to, uh, to, to exact or, or to execute your rights mm-hmm. or your supposed right. Our Montana Constitution has a right to a quality education. Nobody has a right to a quality education. We should educate our kids. We should definitely do that. But if you say that somebody has a right to an education, you're saying whoever provides that education, whether through tax dollars or through uh, through uh, through their own through their teachers or whatever, they have to give up their right to their labor to the fruits of their labor to fulfill your right to an education. Well, that's not that's that's not that's not right. <laughs> for lack of a better term. Okay, we also have a right to a clean and healthful environment. Well, if you're if if you're uh, dealing with what are called externalities, if if you're if you're preventing somebody from harming the environment to exercise that right to a clean and healthful environment, 
that's okay because you're you're just stop you're 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 preventing somebody from infringing on that right. But if you're costing somebody, if you're telling somebody they can't do something that they otherwise would have a right to do, so that you can have a a beautiful view shed of the Bridger Mountains or something like that, then you're infringing on somebody else's right. Uh, let's see. We'll do the last two real quick. What belongs to you, you tend to take care of, and what belongs to no one or to everyone tends to fall into disrepair. This is the old one. Nobody washes a rental car. And again, the government doesn't own anything. Taxpayers own things. All right. So if if, if you don't actually own whatever it is as a government uh, entity, uh, you're going to take less care of it than somebody who actually has skin in the game and owns it. And that's an argument for privatizing a lot of government functions or le- allowing the free market to take care of them as well. Mm-hmm. And Finally, free people engaging in free enterprise, not the political allocation of wealth and opportunity or the engines of economic prosperity. Crony corporatism, crony capitalism, basically the bigger government gets, the more it has to give away or to deny. And as long as, uh, as, long as the government is in a position to pick winners and losers, people are going to pay to be on the winners list or off the losers list. Sure. And that's where you get into campaign finance reform and the folly of a lot of those ideas and uh, and, the, and the whole idea um, that uh, free people engaged in free enterprise in a reasonably regulated free market results in the best outcome for the most people and a higher outcome for everybody than other systems that have been tried.